Hello, everyone. Welcome to Podbytes. I'm Valentina Kaladina, and I'm here with my co-host, Ariel Nissenblatt. Hi, Ariel. Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in, and we've got a really great show for you today. We're live on CastBox every Wednesday, or almost every Wednesday. Our normal time is 6 p.m. Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern. Last week, we both were speaking at the Podcast Movement Conference in Orlando, so we had to make some adjustments to the schedule. And today is Thursday. It's now 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Podbytes is a live interactive show where we talk about the podcast industry. This is episode number 16. This is livecast, so feel free to participate in the conversation. For questions and comments, please call or text. It would be really great to hear from you throughout the conversation. In Podbytes, we invite investors, podcasters, and other key opinion leaders to share their insights into the podcast industry. The show is recorded live and uploaded as a podcast episode afterwards. You can engage with other listeners and guests by dialing in or writing comments in real time. You can also send virtual gifts to the host to support the show. You can find previous episodes of the show in replace. Just go to CastBox and search for Podbytes. Livecast is a feature within the CastBox app. It allows anyone to open a chat room and host a show. Listeners can tune in to listen, and they can also interact by texting and calling in. The purpose of Livecast is to make podcasting into more of an active medium. Hosts can now engage with their audiences in real time, and audiences can chat directly with their favorite hosts. Our schedule is sometimes wonky. That's the nature of having a live show. On our previous episode, we interviewed Jay Connor, who is a Los Angeles-based writer, producer, consultant, and founder of Extraordinary Ideas, where he serves as the co-host and producer of the popular podcast, The Extraordinary Negroes. Check it out in your podcast feeds. Last week, we were at Podcast Movement. It was really awesome to meet some of our listeners, the people who use our app, our colleagues, and many more. We also had a chance to party with podcast people, and we even pet podcast puppies. That's a lot of peas. Thank you to everyone who came to our booth and introduced themselves, and we can't wait to attend more in-person events and meet more of you. In a few minutes, we will talk to Sky Pillsbury, who is a podcaster and an editor of the Inside Podcasting newsletter of Inside.com. But before we start the interview, let's have a quick look into Podcast Movement Conference that happened last week. So Podcast Movement 2019 took place last week in Orlando. It marked the gathering of 3,000 podcasters and industry folks. It's the largest grouping of podcasters in the world. Guy Raz and Reza Aslan were the closing keynote speakers. Erlon Woods and Nigel Poor of Ear Hustle also took the stage to address a very excited crowd. Next year, Podcast Movement is headed to Dallas. But first, the Podcast Movement team has introduced a mid-year gathering called Podcast Movement Evolutions, which will take place in Los Angeles on February 12th through 15th. Hopefully, we all can join this conference, but I would like to share a few takeaways, a few of my personal takeaways from the podcast movement. I think that branded content is becoming a real big thing. It's already the biggest category in all the podcasting content. But in Orlando, there were even people from NASA who were checking it out. So perhaps we will see a new podcast from NASA sometime soon. I don't think they'll launch it yet. So looking forward to it. One more thing is that fictional podcasts are spiking. They attract diverse listenership and they normally listen for a longer time. The listeners can do two to three hours in one sitting. And I was honestly surprised by that fact. So they're probably 
a big opportunity within fictional content for podcasts. And another one, very few podcasts manage to earn their living from ads. Most of them have to diversify their revenue streams. It's not a new thing. It's not in use. But at the podcast movement, I saw a few companies and we had a chance to talk to a few companies that produce merchandise or podcasters. And the fact that they attended the conference and that they were speaking at the panels, I believe this indicates that this becoming an attractive business for podcasters. Me and Ariel, we both were speaking at the conference. I was speaking at the panel about podcasts on emerging markets together with James Cridland, editor of podnews.net, together with Amit Doshi, who is the founder of IVM Podcast from India. This is the largest podcast network in India. And also Martina Castro, who is CEO of Adonda Media. Adonda Media is focusing on Latin America, and uh, they produce content in both Spanish and English. I was really honored to join such a great crowd. We were talking about recent trends that are happening in podcasting on emerging markets. Ariel hosted a panel on podcast newsletters. I found this panel really insightful. Ariel, I would like you to share your impressions on the panel. Sure, happy to. So our guest today, who's going to be on Podbyte Sky, was also on my panel, and I'd love to hear what she has to say about not just the panel, but also podcast movement in general, and we'll definitely get into that. My panel had um, four, five, actually, it was a big panel, five newsletter writers. We had Sky Pillsbury of Inside Podcasting. We had Dana Gerber-Margie of Bello Collective. We had Will Williams of Will Williams Writes, and she's a she's also a podcast critic. We had James Cridland of uh, PodNews.net, and then we had uh, Paul Kondo of Podcast Gumbo. So we all talked about the different podcast newsletters that we write and um, what it means for the podcast industry to have an arm that is dedicated to newsletter writing. So it was a it was an interesting discussion. We also um, played a game at the beginning of it where we had everybody try to um, talk for one straight minute while the uh, while their partner listened for a minute and see what that felt like. So we tried to kind of shake it up a little bit. It was it was very fun. Yeah, had a good time. We'll do it again. 10 out of 10 would do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I think we enjoyed that a lot. All right. Now back to the interview. Today, we are joined by Sky Pillsbury, who is the main person behind the Inside Podcasting newsletter. Sky began her career as a public relations professional. She worked at Nihaus Ryan Wang, helping to build the agency's first internet and people and technology divisions. She directed the strategic public relations for over 10 clients, including Yahoo, before, during, and after the company's high profile IPO. After leaving Nihaus Ryan Wang, Sky joined Link Exchange as a director of marketing. Link Exchange is a Sequoia-funded internet startup. Sky helped to generate enough buzz to attract the attention of Microsoft, who acquired the company one year later. At Microsoft, Sky managed a yearly budget of more than 20 million and drove all strategic, strategic marketing activities. Eventually, Sky returned to the PR agency world. She worked for Estwick Communications and Outcast Communications. During her career as a publicist, Sky has garnered press coverage and numerous leading publications and media outlets, including the Wall Street Journal, Business Week, CNN, New York Times, NPR, Fortune, GQ, TechCrunch, San Francisco Chronicle, and Rolling Stone Magazine. 
She has been on tour with clients on both coasts and around the country and has orchestrated hundreds and hundreds of media interviews. Recently, Sky jumped the fans from PR to writing. She now pens the Inside Podcasting newsletter for Inside.com and also produces a podcast which is called Inside Podcasting. Hi, Sky. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, this is so fun. I'm having already like a blast just watching people talk to each other on the tech screen here. So this is fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, happy to. Um, we're going to jump right into it. But before we do, just a reminder to everybody who's listening in, this is a live show. So please feel free to type questions in. At the end, we can call you and you can ask those questions right to us. And then we'll, have, we'll be happy to have you as part of the conversation. And then for anybody listening to the repeat, we after we finish recording, we release these podcasts as actual podcasts. So you'll be able to find them wherever you get your podcasts, hopefully CastBox. So Sky, you run and write Inside Podcasting Newsletter, which is a daily piece mm -hmm. that offers subscribers insights into what's going on in the podcast world. Tell us a bit about the newsletter in your own words. How long have you been writing it? How did you land this awesome gig? It is an awesome gig, in my opinion, uh, because I was basically doing the work that I do for that newsletter. I was doing it anyway. I started out as just an avid, avid podcast listener, podcast fan, and I was reading newsletters myself. And, you know, I'd like put the kids to bed. And then my fun after finishing my day job was to go and read about podcasts. And Inside Podcasting, the newsletter at that time had started, but it was a non-bylined newsletter that Inside.com, which produces now, I think, like around 50 newsletters, maybe. At the time, they were just sensing that there was interest in a newsletter about that topic. And so they were putting out the newsletter, but not in a... There was no personality behind it. It was really just pointing people to news and more of a basic, basic thing. And uh, but I subscribed to it. <laughs> and then one day I got the newsletter in my inbox. And at the top, it said, we are looking for a writer for this newsletter. And, and I wrote back and said, hey, I'm, I'd love to, you know, help out. And one thing led to another. And, and it soon became my main gig. So I, I really enjoy it. I enjoy it because the folks at Inside give me a lot of latitude in terms of what I cover. It's not just the news. It's stuff I've seen on Reddit or, you know, on Twitter or wherever, YouTube. It's anything. It's sort of like I get to pick the 10 most interesting things that, in my opinion, have happened in podcasting that day. And I also get to infuse my personality, which I enjoy, and hopefully the readers do too. And Inside is excited about that. They they want, I think they want readers who feel engaged and feel connected to the writer. So I've just been really, really lucky to stumble into this job. I've got a question here, and I think my question, uh, what I wanted to ask is uh, is similar to one to the question that Samantha is asking. So Samantha is asking, were you a professional writer before that as well? Oh, yeah, I see that now. Thank you, Samantha, for the question. So I was not a professional writer in the sense that I did not have a public profile as a writer. But because I had been in communications for many years, a huge part of that is writing. And so I had 
done lots and lots of writing, including ghostwriting articles and things of that nature, but not in a way where I, I was bylined, where I was, you know, able to sort of write what I wanted to write. So this was my first opportunity to do that in a public space. I hope that answers the question yeah. and I'm happy to answer anything, any follow-ups to that. Yeah, yeah. So here goes my follow-up question. So you switched from being a PR person to being a journalist. Mm -hmm. um, this, yeah. this is quite a rare career switch. In most of the cases, they, this happens other way around. I believe so. Mm -hmm. uh, these are, mm -hmm. are two different approaches, right? I'm going to simplify this for now, but one of the differences is that you serve to different audiences. When you are PR person, you serve pretty much, or at least you care a lot about your business goals. While when you are a journalist, you have to take into account public interest. Was it challenging for you from the existential point of view? Uh, well, here's what I would say. Um, when I was a publicist, I actually thought of my customer as the journalist more than my, in a weird sense, more than the companies that paid my bills. Uh, because if I wasn't serving the needs of the journalists that I was talking to, then there would be no payoff for my client. If my journalist wasn't getting what, what he or she needed, then you know, then they wouldn't write about my company and my client wouldn't be happy, et cetera. So in this role, I think what's been really great for me is that I understand, I mean, I do think that publicists get kind of a bad rap. And I think that there are publicists who don't think about the journalists that they're serving. They send out spam email. They don't read your work and understand how their company does or or does not fit into the type of coverage that that person um you know, that the, the kind of writing that that person does. I was so tuned into that already that now as a journalist, I feel like I am good at working, better at working with the publicist than I would have been. Because I can say, you know what, that doesn't work for me, but here's how, here's what would. If you went back to your client and you got this for me, maybe I could cover that. And so um, I, that's not an existential point of view. <laughs> that's more of a practical point of view. Um, but I actually really enjoy, have enjoyed the switch because I feel like I understand what they want and I understand what I want. And if there's a match, which Many times there is not, but if there is a match, I'm able to help get us there. And and now I can actually ask them for help. I have publicists for podcasts or podcast networks where if I need a quote on something or whatever, I feel pretty confident that I, I know how to encourage them to help me. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Nice. So well, Valentina, I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> sure. That answered my question for sure. We'll touch on uh, tons of aspects of your background um, going forward, but I want to jump back into um, what got you into podcasting in the first place. Do you recall what the first podcast was that you listened to? Yes. Well, I was definitely of the serial generation, um, mm -hmm. which I know a lot of people don't want to admit <laughs> because it's like, oh, that's like the that's like the cliche almost. But that was the first podcast that I heard about. I remember which friend told me about it. And I went very quickly from there, though, to Startup, um, mm -hmm. and, and which is a podcast that 
some of the listeners will probably remember is uh, a podcast that was told in real time by a man who had worked at Planet Money and wanted to start a podcast network, which now today is Gimlet. But his first podcast was called Startup, and it was all about, it was very meta, it was about him trying to start a podcast network. And that appealed to me because I had a technology background, and I know I've worked at a startup and I know what that life is like and I know what it's like to try to raise money and get coverage. And, you know, as Valentina mentioned earlier, you know, the startup that I worked at through a lot of those same things. And so that really appealed to me. And very, very quickly, I just became, you know, nothing short of a podcast addict. You know, I went from startup to all the Gimlet podcasts that they started and 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 on and on uh, to the point where you know I think my family was like where have you gone um you always have earbuds in your ears um and I just fell into it and I loved it and at the time I was doing technology PR still and to be quite frank I was bored with that I had been doing it for a long time I felt like the, I was you know you do something enough and you you the learning curve just isn't as steep and so when I knew that Gimlet was starting, I remember wishing that I could work there or or I could work at, that I could get a job doing anything. I would do anything. I'd be the receptionist, anything connected to podcasting. And so <laughs> um, I just had a huge passion developing it. And that was exciting because I hadn't felt passion like that since the earlier part of my career when I was first getting into communication. So that was, that's sort of how it all began. And then, and then that email came and that was just sort of serendipitous. It came at the exact right time. So um, the question I just asked you about the first podcast that you listened to was also the same question that I posed to our Twitter followers today, just a few hours ago. So that's uh, just a little call out. If, if everybody wants to follow us on Twitter, all of our live people will give a prize out to uh, whoever follows us on Twitter. It's at Castbox underscore FM. So jumping back into it. You you run a daily newsletter, so does James Cridland, who runs podnews.net. So I was wondering, um, is there do you guys have a back and forth between you to make sure you don't cover the same stories, or what is the relationship between the two of you? Oh, that's such a funny question. I love that question. So when I very first started writing it, James posted on Twitter something like that he had seen, you know, my newsletter. And, uh, you know, he wished me luck, but he really hoped that I didn't get too good at it because he still has to put food on the table or something, you know, like funny. He's just a funny guy. I finally got the chance to meet him in person last week, which was um, which was super fun. So we do not communicate about what we are both writing. But if he covers something that I haven't heard of, I always and he does the same. I always give him a hat tip in the newsletter. There will be times when. I'll see that he's caught something that I haven't. And it's important enough that I think I should mention it. Um, right. It's happened just, I mean, uh, probably less than three times. Um, and he, But he's done the same thing. And I, so I feel like we have a good, we have a fun relationship. We're sort of like friendly competition. Um, but I also think that his audience is slightly different than mine. His His audience is... He is very, very just about the podcaster. And yeah. I, most of my listeners are podcasters or, or are in the industry, but some of them are avid podcast fans like I was. And so I also include just some sort of fun stuff for them um, that, that he would never include. So we overlap. I also write 
you know, I write a little bit more about each item. He he provides more links. I our goal is to have someone be able to quickly read my newsletter and not even necessarily have to click through anywhere. Like if I read an article, I'm like trying to summarize it in my newsletter. James is more like, hey, there's this newsletter, there's this story about X. Why don't you go check it out? And you click mm-hmm. and you go somewhere else, which you can do for my newsletter, but that's that's not necessarily we want people to read and be done. Feel like, okay, I got my hit. I'm done. I can move on with my day. So it's a slightly different approach. Yeah, I would say James's newsletter is analytical. It's it, even down to the colors of it. It's uh, red and black and white. And yours is um, yours is kind of more, it, it definitely has your personality in it. It's de- you kind of read it for the writing. And uh, yeah, I think... Um, Oh, I'd love to hear that. I love that someone would read it for the writing. That feels great. Yeah, you insert fun things into it. And um, I I read both. I I try. I think most people read both. So, yeah, for sure. And so do I. I read James's every day and I read all the newsletters as often as I can. Love that. Um, So, how do you feel like your newsletter fits into the larger landscape of the podcast newsletters? And then also, how do newsletters fit into the larger landscape of the podcast industry? Well, it's funny, you know, I I think that this industry is still, you know, we don't have a Rolling Stone magazine for podcasts. So this sort of industry of newsletters has sort of filled the the void a little bit. I mean, there are publications that write about podcasting as part of their coverage. I mean, Rolling Stone will do a little snippet on podcasts or Vulture, you know, did a special issue on podcasts, that kind of thing. Um, Or maybe that was The Verge. I can't remember. But at any rate, I think that newsletters have, you know, we're still a young industry. And I think also that newsletters, you know, podcasts have sort of this grassroots feeling. And I think they still do, even though there's, we all know there's big money pouring into it. But I think that what's been great for me to see is that even when there's been big money pouring into it, there's, there's, it's still sort of like this punk rock grassroots, anyone can sort of like figure it out. Um, you know, buy a microphone and try to, you know, and participate in some way. And so I think that the newsletter culture is similar to that because I don't feel beholden to Condé Nast, you know, which would surely edit out a whole, much more of my writing than my editors will at Inside Podcasting. So we're, we're, we're able to have more latitude and sort of like poking fun at things or even maybe calling people out a little bit on stuff. I think that's what appeals to people in the podcast industry is that they're not being sold to by these newsletters. We're really telling it how we see it in terms of how my newsletter fits into the landscape of of newsletters as a whole. You know, Nick Kwa, who writes Hot Pod, that's a long form. I feel like we all do something really different. His newsletter is very long form. Yeah. You got to have like 20 minutes to really dig in. And and, and I will take that time because I'm, I'm sorry. I was going to say, if you're a fast reader, it's 20 minutes. Yeah, right, right, right. And and it's very long form. You know, James is more like for the working podcaster, like here's what you need to know about how you need to change your episode numbers. I mean, it's more than that. But he, but what I'm trying to say is that he is, you know, for a working podcaster, I do think that he is sort of on that bleeding edge of like the logistics of making sure that your podcast is getting out there, being listened to and appearing in the directory in the right place. And mine is sort of a mix of stuff for the podcaster, as I said before, stuff for the avid podcast fan, bits and pieces, sort of gossipy stuff, 
even um, that I come across. So I try to make mine a fast read and sort of a something that people will look forward to reading that doesn't feel like homework, which is, I think, something I said on that panel that we were on together. I don't, I don't want it to feel like homework. Got it. Yeah, it definitely doesn't feel like homework. And then, um, I mean, and then the, the other ahead. last point I would make is that there's great things like Earbuds Podcast Collective, your newsletter, you know, that's like, here are episodes you should listen to. You know, these have been curated by so-and-so. Like, and that's a completely different thing, right? Like, I, re- I recommend episodes here and there, but that's not my entire business. I maybe include one or two of those in each newsletter. Got it. Last week at the panel, uh, you, Ariel, mentioned that one new newsletter was launched. Yeah, tons of new newsletters. Uh, which one? Do you know? No, I cannot recall. Something about content, I think. Hmm. But anyway, my question to both of you, because you are very, very familiar with this industry, do you think there is a special segment that is not covered by newsletter? Is is there a market opportunity for anyone, for a person to a new newsletter? Probably. Hmm. Um, yeah. That's a really good that's question. A good question. <laughs> I, I, I would imagine that if, if I had it at the forefront of my mind, I'd be trying to meet whatever that whatever that void is in some way with my newsletter. I, I, you know, one thing I will say that um, that I've just found in my own newsletter that has been popular with readers, um, but isn't something that we do every day, is I've done these special issues. I've started to do these special issues over the past five or six months um, where I ask the newsletter, I ask the readers to suggest to me podcasts. Like at the beginning of the summer, I asked newsletters to suggest podcasts that would be good for a road trip. So oh, like, yeah, a, I did, you yeah. know, long form serialized podcast. Yeah. I think you probably contributed one Ariel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, just recently this week, I asked people because I want to do something around Labor Day for kids because it's like, you know, a lot of, people are sending their kids back to school. What are good podcasts for kids to listen to? And I'm going to do a special issue. The reason why I bring it up is just because when I've done these special issues, I've gotten just such an avalanche of feedback, of happy feedback, of positive feedback from people. Mm. And that's what's motivated me to continue to do it. So, you know, I do think this crowdsourced idea of like, and again, it's a reflection of the podcast community, like podcasters, as I said earlier, you pick up a microphone and, and you could do it with your iPhone. I mean, it's, it's, I still would say it's not easy to make something good. So I want to be very clear on that. But this idea that it is this DI, it can be a DIY pursuit, I think is also reflected in sort of that newsletter idea of like, hey, we're a community. Why don't you give me, why don't you, you speak up and you tell me what you like and I'll put it in the newsletter and I'll put your name in there. And, and again, that's not something that you could do on the fly at a big magazine. So, um, you know, I'm hopefully, you know, someone could do, could come up with a newsletter that was purely crowdsourced, but then they'd be my competition and I'd be sad. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I think the longevity of newsletters is what's going to keep you ahead of everybody else. So for example, I started my newsletter. I send it out every Sunday night. I started it two and a half years ago. I've never missed a Sunday night. I think because you have insides backing, you're also never going to miss. And because of that, that's what's going to keep people listening to you. That's what's going to keep your subscribers there because they know that you're consistent. And I think that's a big part of it. So like there have been newsletters that have come and gone that are that kind of compete with my newsletter, but ultimately Mm. we we say goodbye to them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. And I do think the consistency is is important to the readers for sure. And it, it has been a little bit of a juggle, I have to say, as I've been developing the podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's you know, it's a lot. And so it's still consistent, but I have actually in just while I've been developing that, I've been doing more of a three day, three times a week thing. So five days a week. And actually we've gotten some really positive feedback from readers about that, Hmm. that when we were doing it five days a week, and then I said, you guys, I'm overwhelmed. I am trying to get this podcast recorded and out there for all of you. I'm going to do it three times a week during this period. A lot of people wrote wrote in and said, I think I'm actually going to read it more now because trying to keep up with something that's in your inbox five days a week, it can be overwhelming. So I I thought that was interesting feedback. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And we'll jump into your uh, podcast in a few moments, but I just have a few more questions about the newsletter. And um, a quick reminder before I do that Mm -hmm. is that we're live right now. And um, there are people listening to us live right now. And those people you can call in, you can text in, let us know if you you have any questions for Sky. We're also going to post this uh, podcast later as a podcast and you can get it wherever you get your podcast, hopefully on CastBox. So uh, another question for you. We just kind of touched on this a little bit, but how do you stay on deadline? How do you balance um, this responsibility with the rest of your commitments? I know you've got kids, you've got a social life, all that kind of stuff. Really is tough or semi daily. Yeah, it's it's uh, the struggle is real. I mean, I do have a lot uh, going on, but I I think what that what what really helps is that I care so much about it myself yeah. personally. And so if I was writing a newsletter about race cars, that it would show that I am not passionate about race car driving Mm -hmm. and it probably wouldn't be consistent and it would probably be lame and people wouldn't subscribe to it. And so I think that, you know, how do I juggle it all logistically? I'm up at night. I'm up early in the morning. I'm just doing whatever I need to do to get it done because I feel a real sense of responsibility. I'm also... So as you know, Ariel, you and I are two of the only women who are writing about it from our point of view. And that's not, you know, it's not out there on my newsletter that I'm female. And so this newsletter is going to be different if I wasn't female. But I do feel a responsibility as one of the people who's covering the industry. And as, you know, there's, there's so, there, you know, there's, it's such a typical, you know, it's the cliche of podcasts that it's all, it's all white guys. I'm white, but at least I'm a female. And so I do have a slightly different point of view on things. And I think that that does come through in the newsletter. And so I'd hate to let people down on that front. And, you know, you just make it happen. If you care and you love something enough, you just you make it happen. You are sleep deprived, whatever it takes. Yeah. You stole the question right out of my mouth about... um being a woman in the industry. So I'll jump to um, <laughs> diversity, <laughs> another hot button issue. Yeah. So how, how do you make sure yeah. in your newsletter that you're covering topics, content that's diverse from people who are diverse and ha- just how do you ensure that that stays at the front of mind? Yeah. Yeah. So you have to be intentional. I would say that when I started writing the newsletter, I wasn't as attuned to that and Although, I mean, I, I'd be curious. I'd have to go read my early newsletters and see. It really made it to my consciousness, probably in the first few months of writing, but not immediately, that there was this real imbalance in terms of not only the coverage of podcasts, but who was asked 
to comment, who was asked to share their point of view on this industry. And it was so yeah. often, we talk um, about you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, you and I have talked about this um, yeah. quite a bit. So, and what I've done since then is I have just tried to be intentional. So I have gone to the Twitter feeds of people who represent a diverse community and read about what they're doing. And then I follow that to a link and I find an article on it or something like that. Or, you know, we have this thing that we've just started doing in the last few months called Follow Friday, where you pick someone Mm -hmm. who you recommend people follow. And so, you know, the vast majority of people that I've recommended, I would say, are either people of color or women. And that's obviously intentional. And that's one place where I can be totally, you know, I, I get to choose whatever. And in a lot of the stuff that I write, you know, the, the fact is there are a lot of white, you know, uh, cis identifying people in this industry. And so it's hard not to cover those people. But mm-hmm. in order to include different voices, you have to just make a real conscious choice to include other voices. Yeah, absolutely. I'd ask one of you actually for the collective yeah. thing. Do you feel like you have the ability to make choices about who's curating for you? Oh, yes. I make a few diversity choices. So, for example, anybody can sign up to curate a list, but if I have too many of the same kind of themes, so basically the way it works is that every week I send an email that has a theme and five podcast episodes on that theme. And anyone can curate that. So anybody can sign up to curate. They choose the theme and then they go out and they find five episodes on that theme. And sometimes I'll get three weeks in a row in my um, spreadsheet that I used to keep track of it that are like about sports or about games or about fashion. And I want to make sure that that stays diverse and that the people who are curating are representing different voices. So I'll reach out and I'll ask people to switch so that it's not the same week or every week is going to be similar content. But then also if I have somebody who recommends an episode, I, I like to go through the episodes in advance and make sure that they're, that they fit within my values and uh, the values that I've established for earbuds. One time I had somebody recommend an episode that was clearly misogynist and I asked him to go back and change that. And, you know, so those are, those are types of power that I have and I'm grateful to have. And, you know, it's obviously an edit, it's an editorial decision on my part to ask them to go back and change that. I could let it slide, but I'd rather uphold the values that I've established for myself. So yeah, it's definitely yeah. Yeah. a thing to juggle. Sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. So I want to jump to your most recent project because um, we're kind of running out of time, but a lot of weight should be held on this because this is your podcast. It's called the Inside Podcasting Podcast, and it just launched a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. Can you give us a brief description mm-hmm. of what goes on in this podcast? Yeah. So Inside Podcasting is a show where podcasters are given a chance to talk about their craft. And I think for me, one of the easiest ways to understand what I'm trying to do is inside the actor studio, but for podcasts. Um, so this season, I spoke to six podcast hosts. We're doing it seasonally, mainly because I need to catch my breath. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I interviewed six podcast hosts and next season, uh, you know, it might be hosts again or maybe there'll be a producer in there. You know, I've had some requests from industry folk and I'm not moving in that direction, at least not yet, but there might be a time when I would interview someone who runs a network or something like that. But right now, what we're really interested in is talking to the creators and giving them a chance to talk about how their shows get made. Yeah, you're, I just listened to the first official episode 
which is oh, uh, a conversation with um, Ian Chillog of everything yes. live. And that was such a cool conversation. I was kind of wow. expecting, <laughs> I was expecting just a regular interview between you and a, a person in the podcast industry, but it really dove deep into how he creates and the craziness of his mind and how such a weird genius can create a podcast that even though <laughs> as a concept sounds so weird, it comes out so so deep. And um, so I definitely recommend checking out that podcast. Yeah. I, I yeah. loved talking to him. Yeah. I just loved it. I loved every minute of that yeah. conversation. Yeah, it was fun. And his podcast is so I'm so amazed at how he how he creates something um, so yeah. charming and funny and philosophical all at once. Yeah, it's a good when, one. When the concept of his podcast first came out, it was maybe, I don't know, earlier last maybe early 2018 I don't remember but I remember thinking oh no we've gone off the deep end like what a strange idea for a podcast now they're just kind of like making yeah. fun of how weird podcasts can get but then I was so proven yeah. wrong it's such a great show <laughs> so there's that and also yeah, I felt what, the same way I was like we've, we've yeah. jumped the shark yeah sorry go ahead yeah I was gonna say something interesting that he said on your interview is that he actually likes cold calling people for interviews because he finds that he genuinely enjoys the sternness in their voice that shows when they don't really mm-hmm. want to be talking. To <laughs> and I just found that mm-hmm. so interesting. The opposite of what I would want as a new interviewer. So that was just very. Yeah. One thing that he said, I think was that he liked the texture change of that, which I loved that term that he used texture change, because I do think, yeah. you know, I think, when he interviews the, for people who haven't listened to this podcast, it's called Everything is Alive. And the premise is that Ian Chillog, who's the creator, who has been in the industry for a long time, by the way, he worked at Fresh Air, he worked for, for Terry Gross, and we, we talk about that in the episode. He, he made this podcast where he interviews inanimate objects, uh, which are played by actors that he's hired. And, and in the middle of each episode, he talks to a human being, sort of an ex in an expert type role, about some element of something that is related to the object that he's interviewing. And so, what, what I took that to mean when he said that, Ariel, was that he the the object is so willing to speak with him, right? I mean, yeah. obviously, because he's making the object knows, about that, and then the yeah, object knows that interview. Yeah, and so what he likes to do for the human interview is to just call someone on the fly without them expecting it and have them sort of be resistant to talking to him. And I, I actually didn't realize that until he said that he calls people on the fly, but I did enjoy that as well. Yeah. Super cool. So that's just some of the things you'll get by listening to inside podcasting hosted by Sky. So yeah. why, why did you yeah. feel like now time to start a podcast? Did, uh, did inside suggest that you start one or was it your idea? Yeah, no, it was the other way around. It was my idea. Um, my boss, Jason Calacanis, who owns inside.com, he has a couple of podcasts and, uh, about investing, like not about stuff that, mm-hmm. that I'm talking about at all. And, but he mm-hmm. actually had me get on one of them and sort of talk about the podcast industry. And so right. I knew because of that, that he had this like really nice studio. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, when he's not making a podcast, it's just sitting there not getting used. <laughs> and so I made the suggestion, uh, you know, if you listen to the first episode of Inside Podcasting, you'll hear, I didn't really think that they would turn into anything. And then mm-hmm. it was like, within 24 hours, Jason was like, yeah, okay, go. <laughs> so yeah, it's been that's quite awesome. a ride. 
that's a <laughs> practical approach. Yeah, very much so. Okay, I as a listener personally, I really like your content. I really like your podcast. But as a person that work for a podcast industry, I have to look at the other perspective as well. So mm -hmm. there are lots of Lay podcasts about. Okay, so there are tons of podcasts about podcasts on the market. And one of the shows we are currently in, how is your show different from other shows? What is the mission of your show? Well, first of all, I want to I'm I'm curious which podcast you listen to. That'll give me a sense of also how I explain how mine is different, but I'm also just curious. Ever Gonzalez has his great show where he talks a lot about podcast uh, world. Yeah. And that's called Outlier on Air. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, 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 so my like basically so many people who work for podcasting industry is must thing to have kind of. Yeah. So, uh, my concern is how do we add value creating a new podcast about podcast? How do we add value to the industry? Well, I'll be honest. I'm not necessarily trying to add value for the industry. Like that's not my goal. My goal is to add value to people who love podcasts. And like if you love movies, then you're going to watch Inside the Actors Studio. And you might be in the movie industry and want to understand how, you know, Matt Damon made whatever movie he made, or you might just be an avid fan. And so what I'm hoping, and, and when I watch a really good episode of that show, I feel invigorated by it because I, I, it's like behind the scenes. It's like pull back the curtain on how the sausage gets how the creators, you know, how this, how they make, how the sausage gets made, I guess. So I'm not trying with this podcast to, I'm obviously not trying to analyze the industry and help mm -hmm. you understand how to make better use of particular technologies. I'm a fan in this podcast and I'm speaking for fans at, who are in the industry and, and not in the industry. So like what I loved when everything is alive, when that episode of Inside Podcasting landed yesterday, what I loved seeing on Twitter were people who were posting things like, I love Ian Chalog and I love everything is alive. And now that I've listened to this episode, I love it even more. So yeah. I think that I'm trying to spread love <laughs> in a weird, in, I mean, that, that sounds so like corny and dumb, but that's, I mean, it's a, really that's true. Like at the heart of it, that is really how I feel. I'm not trying to help titans of podcast industry understand their industry better. I'm trying to help the people who love podcasts, love them even more. Yeah, I think it definitely accomplishes that. Yeah. Thank you. So I hope yeah. so. Yeah, for sure. I definitely understand more about Ian Chillog's approach and that is helpful. Yeah. 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 So what my, my newsletter is there for the industry, right? Yeah. And this is yeah. you know, I had some people write in and say, Well, why aren't you doing a podcast about podcast news? Because that's what mm. you do in your writing. And mm. my feeling was sort of like, Yeah, I love that. And then I want to do something different over here yeah i want to do i don't want it to be the same thing i know i think it's uh when you're saying that in this podcast you are talking to the podcasters about their craft it's very well explained yeah. i think that the best thing about breaking up your podcast into seasons or anybody's podcast into seasons and whenever i consult with with podcasters about creating their podcast i suggest that they split into seasons is because That gives you the chance at the end of the season to think about what you liked, think about what you didn't like, what performed well, yeah. what did not. 
And then you can change things up. So you can decide, you can decide at the end of the season, this did well. Um, I want to do more like it. Or you can say, let's try something new, literally just because you want to. So it's, you know, totally up to you. That was my question actually was, um, will each season operate differently? You said it might. And what, what's like, what's your wish list for this podcast? What are you hoping for? Wish list in terms of like dream guest. Oh, my dream guest. Well, I can't tell you that because, (laughs) (laughs) because I'm talking to my dream guests and I'm hoping they're going to say yes. And I, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm only actually, let me be honest. I'm only talking to two. I've talked to two people Mm -hmm. um, that I had actually talked to before and one group was too busy at that time and it looks like they're not going to be too busy and I'm really excited about them, but I cannot reveal who they are yet. Um, And then there's one other that I I met someone who might be able to help me get to this person at podcast movement last week, but it might not come through. So I feel like I can't, I can't share that either. And I'm sorry. I I do, you know, my, my goal is to make it, you know, I want to actually have a more diverse set of voices in, in season two, season one, there's diversity in there, both on uh, sort of the POC and, um, you know, how people, you know, um, you know, what their sexual preferences and things like that. I mean, I have diversity, but I want to definitely do more of that in season two and include more diverse voices. So that's definitely a goal. And then other than that, I, I just, for me, I have to be passionate about who I'm talking with. I have to care. Yeah. I have to want to talk to them. So I've had some people say like, oh, could you talk to this person? And I'm like, well, maybe, but I need to nope. listen to their podcast first. I need to care, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Did, um, and then there were a few questions ahead. in there that maybe I didn't answer, but. Oh, no, you sorry, got go me. I was, I was just curious about your, the way you're going to break up your seasons, but it seems like you will with as the flexibility of seasons gives us, you will decide at a different time. And that's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what, actually, if any, I would actually put a call out to people who are listening now or listening later or whatever and say, so my, you know, I do, I did want to do seasons definitely starting out because I want to be able to, um, at the end of the season, as you said, Ariel, like sort of take a deep breath and look back and see what worked and what I want to change and that kind of thing. But, um, but I've also had people say, oh, you should, you know, I mean, sort of like we were saying about the newsletters earlier, you should be consistent, like being consistent mm-hmm. is the only way to go with a podcast. And, you know, in order to get those downloads up and this and that, yeah. which, you know, of course I care about downloads, but my goal is just to have the people who are listening enjoy it. But yeah, exactly. How, how important is it to people that like does taking a break on a podcast oh. like this seem like a problem to listeners? Like I'm, I'm curious. So you know? I'll say, like, I, I'll say yeah. again, one of the other pieces of advice I give to podcasters is be consistent. But if you're not going to be consistent, all you need to do is be transparent about it. So say at the beginning of your season, Hey, I might be, I might not be consistent. Yeah. And you just give yourself a nice excuse. <laughs> so for right, example, right. I heard about this. Yeah. <laughs> I, at, I went to honor festival in 2018 in Brooklyn. And the former head of NPR said something about audio, which is that if you are going out into a field and you feel like the audio might not be awesome because it's windy out that day, that's fine. People understand when you're in a field reporting that there might be some less than optimal situations. As long as you say, hey, I interviewed this person, just so you know, the audio is not going to be stellar. 
awesome. You just gave yourself an excuse. People are a little bit more apologetic when they listen rather than if you try to kind of pull the wool over their eyes by not telling them. So I think, I think just being transparent about things is really important. Yeah. I'm just saying like I'm reading Aunt McGinley's comment on here. Oh, seeing that. Thank you for thank you for that comment. And I let me read that out loud. Same page. Let me read that out loud. There's a lot to be said for consistency, Mm -hmm. but it's always great to take a holiday. Sports teams have breaks, bands take breaks between tours. Why can't we as podcasters? I agree. So one more question for you, Sky, before I hand it over to Valentina to wrap us up is do you feel like you found your voice? And if so, how did you find it? You made a comment um, with your interview on your interview with Ian that, um, you know, at first you tried to sound like Terry Gross and you were like, wait, I'm not Terry Gross. So how did you, how did you figure that out? <laughs> yeah. And actually, actually the, you're right about that, but I was actually referring to a different interview. So Ian's ran first, but when I was speaking and I think I wasn't clear about this. And I said in my first interview, mm-hmm. I felt like I was trying to sound like Terry Gross. That was the first interview I recorded, which was not oh, wow. actually the interview with Ian. So I just want to clarify that. I realized that that probably wasn't totally clear to people. So I'm not surprised that you came away with that. But at any rate, yes, you are 100% right. I did not know who my voice was when I started. And you will hear that. I'm not, I won't tell you now which interview that is, but um, in, in an, I will be clear when that interview does land. Um, in my intro, I'll say, this is the interview where I'm trying to sound like Terry Gross and tell me if you can tell. And I do think that by the end, I... I mean, I think there's always room for improvement, of course. And I think I have tons to learn. And I'm very, very early. I'm very young. I'm still green. But in terms of becoming a podcaster. But I do think that by the end of that season, and Ian was towards the end, I felt, I don't know whether it was so much my voice. I just felt a level of comfort and I guess a little bit more confidence that if I really royally messed up, it wouldn't be the end of the world by the end. And it's true what so many people say. You just have to start. You just you just have to start. You're, you're never going to be able to figure it out until you actually are in it and doing it. And I think that that's yeah. what I learned. One of the things I learned over the course of this season. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for asking that question. Yeah. Before before we wrap up, I have one more question to you, Sky. I feel like forecasting is a great job that you can do remotely. So I mean the cases when people do podcasting as their main gig. So you don't have to be in the office five days a week. You can do your meetings via Zoom. You don't have to see your colleagues in person. So it's very convenient. Do you think that this is a big reason for people to become podcasters when they want to have better work-life balance? Well, that's a complicated question. It's a good question. Um, I don't... That's a very interesting thing. If we ask podcasters, did you start podcasting so you could have better life work balance? Because podcasting is hard and it's very time consuming. I mean, as you know, like even with my interview show, you know, I talked to Ian for almost an hour and a half. So we edited that down by over half um, because, you know, I wanted it to, I wanted to not waste, you know, a second of time. And, mm-hmm. and so if you're going to make something and you're going to want to have it be edited, I mean, some people like Jason, my boss does his interviews and he does the interview and he slaps it up there and people listen for 
two hours and it's all good. But especially as a new podcaster, I felt like I don't want to give, I want to give people the least amount of opportunity to say this sucks and stop listening. <laughs> so I wanted to edit it and really keep just like the very best parts in the interview. And that takes yeah. a long time to do that. So I don't think that it's really a life work balance kind of a job, even if you're not doing it from home, um, you know, even if you're doing it from wherever. So I think that's an unlikely choice that someone would jump over to this kind of work for that reason. But then again, I don't know. I'm I'm a focus group of one. And we also, I do record my intros and outros on my own, but I actually go into a studio to do the interviews because I wanted, well, I had access to it because of Jason and it was free, which is huge. And I wanted the sound quality to be as you know high as I could possibly make it. Um, but most people are recording stuff in their the closet or their home, and I think that's part of the wonder, wonderful, beautiful things about it. Yeah, I, I can't say it's improved my work balance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. How to make living out of it if you are doing this full-time? Is it very possible? Um, I think that it's possible if you are very clear, if you're either a celebrity, (laughs) if you're a celebrity, or if you have a really, like I met a guy at Podcast Movement and shoot, I wish I knew his name, but he, he does, he's been podcasting for a while. So he has the advantage that he's been at it, but he's a very clear niche. His niche are people who are applying to medical school, which sounds like for those of us who aren't applying to medical school, school, like not that interesting, but because it is such a clear niche and he so understands his audience, he, they are, he's got diehard loyal listeners and he's now got like eight different podcasts about different elements of applying, getting ready for it. Once you're in medical school, how do you deal with that? And he's making a really impressive living. I mean, he's making, I mean, I don't know if it's public, but it was, you know, six figures, way high six figures, I'll say. Wow. So, you know, from advertising for that. So I'd say that, you know, if you're trying to be everything to everyone, that's going to be hard. You know, join a network, be clear on who your audience is. That's going to be your best chance for really making a living at it, in my view, in my view. Yeah. Awesome. And that's a wrap for the show this week. You were listening to the Pod Bites. I'm Valentina Kaladina, and here also was Ariel Nissenblatt. Hey. <laughs> we were joined by Sky Pillsbury. Sky, thank you hey. so much. Yeah, I love I loved being on the show, and I love Kevin has just written in podcast marketing tip, be Conan O'Brien. How true. <laughs> I think, and, I, and that is true. If, if only we could just transform. Um, oh, hey, Kevin. Very, very funny comment there, Kevin. Discover Pods. Hey, Kevin. Glad oh, you oh, tuned Kevin in. Kevin from Discover Pods. I know yeah. him, too. Hey. Yo, what's up, Kev? <laughs> Kevin, we will upload this episode after <laughs> five. So you, you can listen to this episode in replay. Awesome. Well, Sky, thank you so yeah, much for, uh, for everything. Well, thank we'll you for having you guys. This was, this was a blast. And I... We'll have to have you on in the future to talk about uh, how your podcast evolves. Yeah. I'd love to. Allison, yay. Yay. Yes. Hi, Allison. We're friends on Twitter. (laughs) Oh, Allison is here. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fun. (laughs) 
Okay, great. Thanks everyone for listening and asking questions. Please make sure you subscribe to the show. You can click on the show picture. There is a follow button. Please make sure you click it so you will receive push notification when we go live next time. Also, you can see the upcoming live shows on the livecast page of CastBox. Use the app, call in, ask questions, and interact with your favorite hosts. We'll see you next week. Bye! Great, guys. Thanks for having me.